Welcome back to Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromolo. And, well, we are now less than a month away from the 2017 NFL Draft, and we are back today with the second edition of our Draft Preview Series. Last week, we broke down the offensive line, defensive line, and pass rush prospects with Charles McDonald of Leach Report. Today, we will break down this year's crop of defensive back prospects, and this bunch is arguably the deepest group in this 2017 draft. And to help us break it all down is our good friend, Chris Trapasso. Chris has been on the program several times before and is the editor of the SB Nation Buffalo Bills fan page, buffalorumblings.com, and is also the NFL.com homepage editor. Chris also wrote for CBS Sports and Fox Sports, so his resume also speaks for itself. And it is a pleasure to welcome back Chris to the show. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing pretty good, Dave. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming on and donating your time and your immense football knowledge to our program, as always. And uh, without further ado, let's start with the safety class. And the two biggest names are LSU's Jamal Adams and Ohio State's Malik Hooker, and both are expected to be top 10 picks. Who would you draft first and why? That's a really good question. Um, And I think it obviously makes sense to start at the top because those are probably going to be the first two uh, safeties who are going to be picked. Um, I would pick Malik Hooker. Um, I'm kind of in the minority there. Um, and I'm also in the minority in that I don't dislike Jamal Adams as a prospect. I think, um, when you watch him, it seems really apparent to me that his leadership, um, he's really the quarterback of that really good LSU defense. He's, he's played with a ton of NFL players in his past three years in Baton Rouge, Um, I just don't see any elite um, attributes, not physically or athletically. He's a great athlete. You can kind of see that, too. He tested very well at the combine in the agility drills and the 40, everything for uh, vertical broad jump. But I just don't know what he does amazingly well. His coverage skills, um, he wasn't, you know, taking the ball away a ton. He's more of a strong safety linebacker hybrid, which those are kind of in vogue at this point, um, with just how much nickel, uh, teams have to use today, about 65 to 70% of the time you're taking off that linebacker and you're putting in an extra corner, extra safety. Um, so he's, he's much more of a strong safety, which I'm not saying that, that, Strong safeties are irrelevant today, but even um, against the run, going into watching his film, because I knew just based on his size that that he was much more of a strong safety than a free safety, and, and obviously I'm a big college football fan too, so you know I had watched him a little bit and knew that he wasn't uh, you know, a deep center fielder or a free safety. I was expecting to see him just taking on lead blockers, uh, pushing them aside, making a lot of tackles near the line, um, sifting through traffic. Um, and I just didn't really see that with him. I think there there weren't a lot of plays in which he was in the wrong spot or was really fooled by a play-action pass. There were a few missed tackles, which for being as highly regarded as he apparently is and for as high as he's uh, thought to go, like you mentioned, in the top ten, and that's absolutely spot on, um, I just wanted to see him not not really miss those tackles and uh, be just a lot better against the run as that strong safety. I think he is going to be a solid pro. Um, I just don't know if he's ever going to be an all pro. And I think theoretically teams that are picking in the top five, top 10, 
they're not trying to pick a guy that's going to be a pretty good player for five to ten years in the league. They want to pick that complete franchise changer. And I think Malik Hooker is much more of that type of prospect than Jamal Adams is. Kind of like Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker has some uh, struggles in run support. There's a few times that he kind of overruns some plays or instead of just sizing up the ball carrier, he tends to dive and, and which, you know, leads to some whiffs, but his range as a deep uh, center fielder, as that free safety is the best range and just, just remarkable speed from sideline to sideline or from the middle of the field, I should say to, to each sideline that I've seen from any safety prospect. Uh, and I've been watching slash scouting the draft since 2013 um and he he just covers so much ground so quickly he's really big he's over six foot over 200 pounds has huge hands that are almost 11 inches which is almost unheard of um he's still very young he was only a redshirt sophomore so i think some teams will kind of be worried about you know there's not those two or three years of elite production but from a skill standpoint and and that he has that elite talent um in terms of his range i would pick him over jamal adams because i think that it's not as hard to find a player that's close to jamal adams maybe later in the first or in the second or third round but rangy ball hawking free safeties do not come around often and um, he has as much range i think as earl thomas does and we've seen how much he's really been integral to the you know transformation and the you know relevance of that Seahawks defense over the last uh, five to six years. So I think uh, they're totally different prospects, but if I had to pick one of the two, I would pick Malik Cooker because I think he has that elite trait and and, and it's a lot harder to find a, a type of safety like him. Wow, wow. You, you hear why he has such amazing credentials, ladies and gentlemen. He is Chris Trapasso, editor of SB Nation's BuffaloRumblings.com and also the homepage editor of NFL.com. And uh, you just uh, took our listeners on a ride there, Chris. And uh, now let's uh, take a slight detour and focus on the draft hypothetical. Um, Obviously, um, uh, hell will freeze over if Miles Garrett isn't selected at number one overall by the Cleveland Browns, so Miles Garrett at one. And uh, Solomon Thomas of Stanford, uh, another uh, defensive uh, lineman, pass rushing prospect, um, many are saying that he will be the second pick to the 49ers at two, or maybe to the Panthers, especially if the 49ers and Panthers swap, as was rumored or has been rumored. And so if G- Miles Garrett and Solomon Thomas go one and two, as many mocks anticipate, um, would you take one of these two, two safeties if you were the Bears at three, or would you uh, trade down? That's like somebody else. Yeah, that's a good hypothetical. Um I think the Bears, for as good as I think Malik Hooker is, he's not a perfect prospect because, like I said, he does have those those run support issues that you'd have to kind of iron out. Um, and there is the only, you know, the one year of elite production, which I think doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does kind of raise a red flag a little bit that, that, hey, like, we haven't seen this over 24 games, 30 games, 40 games from this guy Um, enough to pick him number three and just overall for as important as I think uh, all defensive backs cornerbacks strong safeties free safeties have become today in the NFL there's so many of them the rules are kind of catered against them you know with pass interference defensive holding 
Um, I, I just don't see that much positional value, even for someone like Hooker that that has amazing range and can really, you know, create a lot of uh, variation to your defense. You can play um, man coverage on the outside and you don't have to worry. You don't have to play two deep safeties. That's one more um, linebacker or one more defensive back in the box to help against the run. Um, if I was the Bears, I would probably look at quarterback. Not that I'm in love with any of these prospects, but I think that the Bears are at the point where they've moved on from Jake Cutler. Um, are they really uh, – I mean, they're rebuilding, certainly, um, and that's pretty apparent with the fact that they have the number three overall pick. But I think that I would take a long look at Deshaun Watson – um, I think he, you know, talk about production over a few years. He certainly had that at Clemson. I think he's the surest bet um, in this draft at that quarterback spot. Um, so I think taking a uh, safety with the number three pick, um, if Malik Hooker didn't have the injury issues, which he does have, you know, slightly nothing major, but if he didn't have that, if he had three years of solid production and was a little bit better against the run, I think he would be, you know, a probably the best safety prospect that we've seen since Earl Thomas, if not better. But he does have those issues. So if I were the Bears, I would look at quarterback. And then if not, you know, have those phone lines open and say, does any team want to come up and pick a quarterback? Because we are in that rebuilding stage. We're at pretty much the ground floor of the rebuilding stage, especially on offense. Um, does anyone want to come up to three and and kind of like you mentioned, this is a very deep class at, at a few positions, actually, actually at a handful of positions. Um, so having um, a mid to late first round pick isn't a bad thing. And to have two or three uh, second and third round picks is a, is huge and ve- and very beneficial in this draft. It will be very interesting to see what the Bears do at three and what the 49ers do at two. Both teams, I think, in the phase they're in, um, it wouldn't hurt them to at least consider uh, trading down and accumulating another uh, an extra first-round pick for 2018. And uh, now let's uh, go back to this uh, safety class. Um, are there any other safeties that are worthy of first-round consideration in your eyes, and are they primarily box safeties or coverage safeties? Um, I think the other guy who will probably get some consideration is is um, Buda Baker from Washington. Um, he was a top level uh, um, recruit coming out of high school. He uh, had a very good career at Washington, but when you watch him, it's pretty obvious that he uh, has some size limitations. That he's only five foot nine. Um, and that for as much as he's similar to Jamal Adams and that he is a box safety for the most part, um, and he is almost always in the right position. There were a few times that he almost played perfect coverage, but the ball just sailed over his head by a few inches or a bigger receiver was able to kind of box him out a little bit. He kind of reminds me of Tyron Matthew. He's not as much of a game changer, but he's very springy. Um, with his athleticism, like I said, he knows where to be. You can play him um, in the slot against quick, smaller, fast receivers. You can play him at free safety if you need to. I think he'll get some uh, consideration just because he's been um, kind of a rising prospect throughout the entire uh, season last year with Washington having such a good season and that secondary was loaded. The other guy, Obi Malafonwu, from uh, UConn, six foot four, two twenty four. I think he should be a first round pick 
If he doesn't go in the first round, I think it's going to be early second. Um, he just blew the doors off the combine. He's a super athlete, um, similar to his former teammate, Byron Jones, that came out a few years ago out of UConn. Just a superstar athlete, you know, and this is even among the best athletes um, in the country playing in the NFL, um, along with some basketball players, too, that I think are super athletes. Um, but on film, his athleticism kind of matches what he's able to do. He can play pretty much anywhere. I mean, he's six foot four, two twenty four. That's like almost linebacker size. Um, he is not totally amazing in man coverage, but in zone, he's very aware. He is much better, I think, in run support than even Jamal Adams is, than Malik Hooker is. Um, just using his speed, his athleticism, he can shed some blocks occasionally. He reads plays really well. Um, he was a four-year guy at UConn, and so I think over the years, um, you just learn with that experience. You know, you see a screen develop a little bit earlier. You can see a pulling guard a little bit earlier to make a play. Um, he can turn the ball over on the back end. So I think um, outside of Hooker and uh, Jamal Adams. Buda Baker will get some consideration, but I think Obi Malafonwu, it's just so important to be a really, really good athlete in the NFL. And he is an experienced four-year producer that can really do whatever you want in the back uh, seven of a defense. He's Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, editor of BuffaloRumblings.com, which is the SB Nation Buffalo Bills fan website, and also the homepage editor of NFL.com. And uh, now let's shift attention to this cornerback class. And as I said in the intro, uh, defensive backs are arguably the deepest position in this year's draft, and this is mostly due to this crop of corners. Some have said that seven to nine corners are worthy of a first-round draft choice. How many corners do you have first-round grades on, and who are they? I haven't. I will say that I haven't actually gotten to the specific round grades yet just because and this is and this is true there are just so many corners to watch in this class and I think your intro there was perfect this is a super deep cornerback class this is as deep if not deeper than the 2014 wide receiver class this running black this running back class is also super duper deep um, and is very similar, if not better, than that 2014 wide receiver class. Um, I think the two guys out of Ohio State, Marshawn Lattimore and Gary and Conley, they're good. They're probably going to be first-round picks. They have, you know, Ohio State-type athleticism. You know, Urban Meyer has been a great recruiter for a long, long time now. Um, sure they're both more uh, man corners uh, than they are zone guys, which – a lot of teams will like, but at the same time, um, I don't think many teams for as much as, as being able to play press man seems like the ultimate luxury for a quarter or a cornerback. I don't know how many teams are going to be okay with, even if they're picking a guy in the first round. All right, we're going to leave you one-on-one -on -one in your rookie year with Odell Beckham in press man. So I think those two cornerbacks uh, from Ohio state need to be a little bit more aware and better in zone, um, but their athleticism, they can do everything uh, in terms of running down the field with the faster receivers, uh, jumping up with the bigger receivers, 
planting and driving on, you know, in-breaking routes or comebacks or hitches. Um, so those two guys, I'm not as high as some people are. You know, there was even some mock drafts that said Marshawn Lattimore might go number two to the 49ers or, or would be in the top five. I didn't really see that. Um, but I think those are two guys that are probably cemented in the first round. Tredavious White is another name um, out of LSU. Um, he's not quite six foot, 192 pounds. But when you watch his film, I mean, he is just all over the football. And he was playing press man. He was playing some trail coverage um, in what looked to be cover three. Um, he has played a lot of different coverages, and I think that will help him. Um, and he's just all around the football. He's another super athlete. Um, he was playing in LSU's defense as an 18-year-old freshman and was pretty productive um, four years ago. So he is a, you know, again, we kind of talked about uh, how many years of experience do some of these prospects have and and how that helps. You don't necessarily want a redshirt senior coming in as a 24-year-old rookie. Um, White's still young, um, and and he has that. Um, top-level experience in the SEC. He had 14 uh, pass breakups last year, a few interceptions. When you watch his film, you just notice that he doesn't give up a ton of catches. He wasn't necessarily a blanket on receivers, but when the ball was in the air, he was you know, using proper technique to get his hand around the receiver or jumping up with the receiver to uh, knock down the pass. So I think he'll be a first-round pick, and if he doesn't, he'll be a steal in the second round. If Sidney Jones out of Washington uh, didn't tear his Achilles at his pro day, he might have been the first or the second cornerback um, to be taken. He, you know, similar to Tredavious White, he's just all over the football. He has great ball skills. He's very aware of where the football is, uh, recognizing routes and and getting a quick jump on them. He's not the biggest guy, but he is six foot, and I think a lot of teams kind of look into, you know, are they meeting that six foot uh, threshold? He'll probably fall into the second round because of that. Um, and a few other names here. Kevin King, very intriguing cornerback out of Washington. Like I said earlier when I was talking about Buda Baker, that Washington secondary was just loaded. Sidney Jones, super good. Buda Baker, a very good but smaller all-around safety. And Kevin King is a six foot three, 200-pound cornerback that can match up with the you know, with the Des Bryant types, the Jordy Nelson types, the Brandon Marshall types, super long, over 32 inch arms, which that's, you know, that's kind of a threshold for some of those teams like the Seahawks, um, like the Falcons are kind of turning to, they want those longer cornerbacks like the Panthers. Um, and he, it's weird. You would think that at six foot three with those long arms, he would really just dominate smaller receivers in press, but kind of like we've seen with Richard Sherman, with Josh Norman, those are probably the two premier longer corners, they excel in zone. And they're a lot better when they're not having to worry about, you know, the the quick twitch athleticism from some of these smaller receivers at the line, but they can just watch the quarterback's eyes sink into their deep third um, and use their length to either intercept the ball or to just knock it down. And Kevin King, um, if you let him play cover three, or cover two, just let him sit in zone and use his length and his really, really impressive athleticism, especially for his size. Um, he can be a really, really good cornerback. I could see a team later in the first round um, taking a look at him because there are some 
I mean, again, a lot of these defensive backs need some help in run support. He's not the best run defender, but I think teams will absolutely love what he can do just from a size perspective and an athleticism perspective. Um, one other guy I'm going to mention, Akello Witherspoon out of Colorado. He's almost a spitting image of Kevin King. He's six foot three, a shade under 200 pounds, but even longer arms, 33-inch arms, um, and almost the exact same game. He's kind of lanky, so he's not going to make a lot of thuds in run support. But in terms of knocking down passes, he's just he's just so long, and he's a very, very good athlete, um, timed well at the combine, and all those three-cone drills, short shuttle drills, um, explosive athlete out of Colorado. That was another secondary in the Pac-12 that was really, really good this year. Um, he could sneak in. Um, I think if he ran a little bit faster at the combine, that would have helped him. But if you like Kevin King – and if he gets picked a few picks um, ahead of you, say, in the 20s, and you're picking in the late 20s, I don't see why you wouldn't take a look at Witherspoon because they're very, very similar um, players. One other name, Marlon Humphrey out of Alabama. His film didn't really do it for me as much, but I think um, – and I kind of have – I'm a little bit concerned about Alabama cornerbacks because most of them haven't really panned out. It seems every year there's a first-round quality – Alabama corner um, and guys like D Milner, Drake or Patrick just got a big deal to resign with the uh, Bengals, but he never, but he hasn't necessarily lived up to that first round status. Um, so I'm a little worried about him. He also is very young, only a redshirt sophomore. Um, so right there, you know, there's five or six that I think should go in the first round or could go. And there's always later into the first, a guy or two that no one expects to go there um, that will go. And with how good and how deep this cornerback class is, um, you know, there could be someone like Chidobi Awuzi, who's Witherspoon's teammate at Colorado, who could sneak in there. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, Quincy Wilson out of Florida, um, timed very well. Didn't really break up a ton of passes, but was pretty much a blanket in coverage. So I think you're right in that in in saying that there could be six or seven quarterbacks um, that could go in the first round, and there could be up to maybe ten that go in the top seventy-five. Whoa, and uh, that uh, magnifies exactly how deep uh, this cornerback uh, class is, uh, Chris. And uh, but, however, as deep as this. Uh, crop of corners is there isn't really a consensus top corner in this draft so i was wondering which corner tops your board and why yeah i mean if there is one it's probably marshawn Lattimore because of the combination of his athleticism and that urban meyer let him play press man and he played it pretty well um i think Tredavious White to me has the cleanest. If you're if you're checking off all the boxes um, and you're trying to see, you know, are there any dings for any of these guys? Tredavious White might have the cleanest film and the cleanest background. Um, you know, I just mentioned that some of the Alabama or most of the Alabama D-backs haven't necessarily become um, those superstars that that you know a lot of. Uh, people thought that they would be, especially at the the uh, cornerback spot. LSU, you know, routinely Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, Morris Claiborne just had a really good year, signed a nice contract with the Jets in free agency. Um, that's you know a program that routinely pumps out quality NFL cornerbacks, and the fact that he has that four years of experience 
and isn't a 23 or 24 year old that was, you know, dominating guys that were 19 and 20, um, tested well at the combine and just seems to be very savvy, uh, just in playing cover two, cover one, cover three, man. Um, I don't know if he is going to be the next Darrell Rivas or the next Josh Norman. But to me, uh, and again, I, I actually have more guys to watch just because there are so many and there's so many different shapes and sizes and skill sets. Um, if you just, if you're a team that, you know, you don't have your one base coverage that you're going to play all the time. If you want to play a variation of coverages, um, which obviously most teams do, but just overall um, in a vacuum, I would say Tredavious White is just the best corner prospect in this class if you want to play man a lot Marshawn Lattimore or Gary and Conley his teammate at Ohio State they would be up there if you want to play a lot of cover three Kevin King uh, Witherspoon who I mentioned before even Rasul Douglas out of West Virginia who uh, had eight interceptions this year because of that length he's also six foot two 210 pounds super long arms kind of depends uh, what you want to play and what you want from your cornerbacks um, but yeah, I would say just overall Tredavious white, when you watch his film when you see the, uh, combine numbers and you see his four years of production at, at, a elite program in an elite conference, I think he's the cleanest, uh, cornerback prospect. Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, Buffalo rumblings.com. Also the homepage editor of NFL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso and, uh, Chris, uh, once again, thank you very much for uh, donating your time and talent uh, to our uh, program today. And I only got a couple more questions for you. Sure. Uh, but first, uh, let's start with a simple yes or no question. Uh, is this corner class deep enough that teams can find some immediate contributors at the position in rounds four, five, if not six and seven? Well, I think I'm going to use this term again in a vacuum. Yes, but. I'm kind of thinking, and this might not happen, but I'm thinking that there's a chance that, say, maybe in the early second round, middle of the second round, we'll see, and we've seen this before at other uh, positions in the last five to ten years, you know, throughout the entire NFL draft's history, that, say, someone like Kevin King lasts until the fifth pick of the second round, he gets picked, and then we could see one of those runs where three or four corners go right in a row or six of seven picks are corners. Cause teams are kind of getting worried. Hey, are we going to kind of miss out on this amazing cornerback class? Or are we going to get the 20th best corner when we could maybe get the 11th best corner and get a pro bowler um, or a guy who, you know, could be an all pro at some point. So I think if you're just looking at all the names and like what the typical spacing would be for one position, Yes, I think that in the fourth, maybe even the fifth round, you can get a quality, reliable starter who might not ever make, you know, win any awards, but will be someone that will uh, be signed to a second contract with your team. I think, you know, fourth or fifth round for the cornerback spot. Will there be a little bit of a run? I wouldn't be surprised if in the second or maybe even in the third round when there will certainly be some really good corner or there should be, I guess, some really good corners um, available. Uh, if that's the case, then obviously they won't last as long. But really, it's kind of like pick what height, what arm length for what defense you want to play. And as long as you're picking that guy before probably round four, you're going to get a, a high quality uh, cornerback in this draft. 
And uh, sticking with uh, cornerbacks for a moment, uh, you mentioned uh, Sidney Jones, uh, who uh, got injured at his pro day with a torn Achilles uh, injury, and that uh, might uh, drop his stock uh, at least somewhat. Uh, but he wasn't the only one. Um, another corner that was gaining some first-round buzz, uh, UCLA's Fabian Moreau also suffered uh, a, a serious injury during his pro day, a torn pec muscle while he was doing the uh, bench press. So uh, my uh, basic question is, uh, you, you answered this already for Jones. You still would consider Jones in the second round. So when it comes to Moreau, what would be the earliest round you consider drafting uh, Fabian Moreau? And how far could you see uh, Sidney Jones and Fabian Moreau falling? Um, I think with Fabian, uh, there's not as much concern because it is a torn pack, which is obviously a serious injury. But um, he should be able to play this year and with – a corner, I think Sidney Jones, obviously, his injury is much more concerning because is he going to be the same explosive leaper? Um, is he going to have that same kind of twitchiness after coming back from an ACL with Moreau, a torn pack? Yeah, maybe when he's, you know, dealing with uh, receivers in press man or, you know, trying to snatch an interception, he might not be as strong, you could think, because of that torn pack and, and just recovering from it. Um, I think Moreau is a, still a second round pick, second or third round. Um, it's weird. It's like the corners that I mentioned before that I think would be great um if they're predominantly playing zone, like Kevin King, Witherspoon, Rasul Douglas out of West Virginia, those are the Richard Sherman, Josh Norman, above six foot, uh, super long arms, and just physical presences. Uh, I think with Moreau, he, he did measure in at six foot at the combine, um, but when you see him on the field, he is kind of a smaller corner, but he's so savvy in zone, and I think it can – easily get glossed over that uh, if you're playing zone and you're a corner, it means you're not that good of a corner. And I don't think that's true at all. I think kind of like I mentioned, I think with Richard Sherman and Josh Norman being the headliners, zone coverage is still a very intricate coverage that you have to play. And I think that there's even an, an argument that it might even be tougher to be a really, really good standout zone corner than it would be to be a really good press man corner because you have to see routes that are coming into your zone. You have to realize when a team is trying to lure you one way before throwing over your head or whatever. Um, so I think Sidney Jones is the overall better prospect than Fabian Moreau. Um, but I think both of them will probably still go in the second. Uh, if they get to the third, I think even a team that might not have the biggest uh, cornerback need would love to to pick either one of those guys. They're kind of similarly sized, but I think Jones plays the football a little bit better and has a little bit more of a mean streak. But with Moreau, you're getting a very savvy zone cornerback, and I think that's um, very important in today's NFL. He's Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, buffalorumblings.com, also homepage editor of NFL.com. And uh, Chris, uh, let's uh, briefly move on to a little game called Buy or Sell. I'm going to name a prospect that uh, I don't believe you have named already so far in this uh, program, and you tell me whether you buy or sell uh, their draft stock, starting with Clemson's Cordray Tankersley. Um, I'm buying it. Uh, if he goes, I think the late first would be a little much or a little too rich for me. Um, but again, and, and I'm going to sound like a broken record. 
if you pick him in the second round, I think that's probably where his value is. That's the type of uh, prospect he is. And can he be a very solid uh, number two cornerback who's facing number two receivers for the first few years and then ultimately transition to being a true number one guy? Six foot two, 200 pounds, um, all the athleticism you need, the length you need. Um, there's some concentration issues, I think, sometimes when he does get into zone and that his awareness is not what you would want from a first-round corner. It's still not terrible. Um, so I think if the thought is that he's going to go late first round, that's a little too much. But if he goes in the second round, I think that would be a perfect spot for him. How about North Carolina State's Josh Jones, buy or sell? Um, to me, I would like to see a little bit more uh, – in terms of his range in coverage, he did have a decent amount of interceptions. A few of those were kind of gift wrapped. Um, I think, and it's kind of hard to know exactly what, uh, like where everyone thinks he's going to go. But I think it, if you pick him in the third round, he kind of seems to be uh, that type of uh, prospect. Buy or sell Justin Evans of Texas A&M. Justin Evans can really run, and I think that, you know, he's he's really um, – I've been talking about range a lot, and I think that's obviously important. Uh, I think he's someone that could be a late riser, middle round guy probably. Um, so I'll, I'll buy his stock uh, as well because I haven't really seen or heard anything that, that says that he'll go higher than that, but I think he's a, you know, not an elite – prospect in any area um, but he's just a solid player all around and last but not least do you buy or sell Utah's Marcus Williams um actually and I hate to have to do this he's one of the safety prospects that I have not watched yet we still have a little bit of time that I can get that in Um, he's he's someone that's definitely slated for me to watch so I don't want to talk about a prospect that I haven't watched yet um but he does, I mean, I have seen tweets. I have, you know, seen some articles, some projections that he's second or third round guy. Um, and so I'll just have to watch him and, and just see what I think about that. Sounds like a plan. Heck, uh, you just illustrated another factor why this defensive back class is so deep. You haven't even gotten all of them yet, and we're four weeks until yeah. the draft. But uh, yeah. that's just uh, the nature of uh, this draft class. And uh, and uh, once again, he's Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, buffalorumblings.com, as well as the homepage editor of NFL.com. And uh, just uh, two more quick questions uh, before we call it a day here, Chris. Uh, are there any uh, defensive back prospects that are corner or safety that we haven't mentioned yet who you believe are currently flying up draft boards right now and any who we have not mentioned who are falling down draft boards right now? Well, I think Tease Tabor from Florida because of the pro day running in the four sevens. Um, he got his hands on a lot of passes during his career at Florida. So I think a scout, a GM, a director of college scouting would watch the film and be really intrigued. Uh, obviously Florida sent a lot of good corners to the league, but then I think it would take a lot for a GM to pull the trigger on a cornerback who runs in the four sevens, um, very early. So he would probably be a guy that his film might even say first round pick or second round pick. But I think unfortunately just the athleticism side, uh, in terms of just what he tested um, at the combine and at his pro day, just not among the elite. And I think that is definitely a position that you need to have really good athleticism unless you're just the savviest, um, you know, 
in terms of the mental side of things with recognizing routes and reading the quarterback. Um, so his stock would probably be falling a little bit. Um, and the guy in this, I don't know necessarily if this guy is like flying up draft boards right now, but I could see it happening over this next month. And like we talked before we uh, went on the air here that we still have a month and, and it, this last month seems to drag on forever. And, and we will hear every rumor about teams liking this guy and not liking this guy and, and guys rising and falling. Howard Wilson out of Houston, uh, watching his film is a lot of fun. He six foot one, about 185 pounds. So that's a little skinnier than I think some teams would like, but in terms of aggression, um, in terms of leaping ability, ball skills, there is not one completion that I think I saw him give up where he didn't try his all to really contest the pass. He broke up a lot of passes, had five interceptions last year, um, tested amazingly well in the agility drills at the combine, um, has just under 32 inch arms, which I think, you know, being six one, I don't think teams will hate that. Um, his vertical wasn't through the roof. He didn't have a 40-inch vertical, but there were multiple times where he was up against bigger receivers than him, and he was right up there on jump balls. He just plays with a lot of tenaciousness. Um, he is a cornerback that I think, again, athletically, when he's planting and driving back on the ball, it's as explosive as any corner in this uh, draft. Last year, William Jackson the third went in the first round out of Houston, uh, his teammate, um, he is a third-year player, so he's an underclassman. So some teams might be a little worried about that, but some teams might like the fact that they that you know you could say that a lot of his best football is ahead of him. So Howard Wilson is a guy watching his film. I was really blown away, um, especially if you're playing zone, just let him sit back and drive on the football, which he does. I would say as well as anyone in this cornerback class. He's someone that's probably slated in, in the middle rounds right now. Um, but I could see him moving up maybe even into the second round conversation um, by the time draft day gets here. And one final prediction, Chris, uh, we mentioned that there could very well be some quality options available at the corner and dare I say safety positions on day three of the draft. And obviously the, one of my favorite stories coming out of draft day is wondering who is that best bargain pick going to be on day three and amongst the defensive backs, who do you believe will wind up being the best uh, day three um, uh, value pick uh, this year? That's a good question. And it's, and it's tough because like has kind of been the theme of this, this cornerback in the safety class is totally loaded. And even, even if there is a run where say five corners get picked in seven picks in the second round, there will still be guys there in round three, round four, round five that are solid players. Um, I think Corn Elder out of Miami, um, two straight years of double-digit uh, uh, pass breakups, which I think in the ACC, that's not easy. He's a little smaller, 5'10", 183. Didn't test that well at the combine. Small hands. So he's kind of a smaller corner um, who really did everything for the Hurricanes in his career. Um um, was the captain of that defense. And and he's kind of similar to a lot of these guys that I brought up. And it's just kind of a testament to how good this cornerback uh, class is. He gets his hands on a lot of footballs. I don't necessarily think he's a seventh round prospect, but he could just because there are so many corners and safeties that are good or that are good to really great to 
potential all pros in this class that he could sneak into round five, round six, potentially just because of the size and the athleticism limitations. But he's one of those that you almost want him on your roster because he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. He played with a mean streak for his entire career in Miami. He's a good player that I think will actually um, be sitting there and be picked later than he probably should, just because, like I said, of the size limitations and the athleticism limitations. Thank you once again, Chris, for coming on our program again. And once again, you could follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. He's a must-follow, especially during this time of year in the lead-up to the draft, ladies and gentlemen. And you can read his work on buffalorumblings.com, and you can see his work every time you log in to NFL.com. Chris Trapasso, tremendous friend of the program. It's always great to have you on, and we look forward to having you on again very, very soon. All right, Dave. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome, Chris. And that's all for today here on Sports Crush with D. Crom. But we'll be back with another edition of our draft preview series next week as we look at this year's wide receiver and amazing tight end classes. Also, be sure to check out our complete broadcast archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And that's Crunch with a K. For Chris Trapasso, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long and stay awesome. <laughs>